Hello and welcome to Actuarial People with myself, James Turner. I'm excited to be launching a brand new podcast where each week I'll be speaking with the UK actuary. My aim is to give you, the listener, greater insight into the people behind the profession and their personal career journeys. So we'll cover things like why and how they became an actuary, what they do on a day-to-day basis, how they balance work and study with life, any specialisms they've developed, and how their role has evolved over time. So whether you're an actuary yourself, or you're aspiring to become one in the future, welcome and enjoy. Please welcome to Actuarial People, Jen Goddard. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? Yeah, good, thanks. Good, thanks. It's been a usual start today here, you know, kids to school and all of that, the usual the usual morning juggle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Well, well, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. I wondered if we could start off by you just giving a quick overview of who you are and what you do today, and then we'll, we'll go back to the beginning. Yeah, so um, yeah, as you say, I'm Jen Goddard. Um, I used to be an actuary, but these days I'm a coach. I have my own business called Soulfire Coaching, and I work primarily with people in financial services, supporting them with um, next steps up, usually around that question of what next that people find themselves asking at different points in their career and how they make that step, whether it's how do I make the work-life balance work for me? How do I step into leadership without feeling like I'm going to burn myself out or what is the next step for me? How do I, how, how do I get that sense of vision for where I'm going? And so I guess I support people with, with, with that. Fantastic. So if you haven't worked it out, this is a, uh, a coaching special. So we were going to talk a lot about the process of, um, of coaching and I'd, I'd like to personally learn as much as I, as I can <laughs> about it. But um, I will start where I always do, which is, could you let us know where you were, what you're doing when you first discovered that actually has existed? <laughs> So um, I first learned this at school. My school were really hot on doing those um, sort of careers questionnaires where you answer all the questions, which were you most like, which you not like, and it, it turns out you should be. And every single one I did always said you should be an actuary. And um, I kept saying no, because the only thing my school careers could, department could tell me about being an actuary was it pays well, but it's boring, was their summary. <laughs> that was all they knew. Yeah. <laughs> so it actually took a long time till I came around to the idea. I ended up um, getting work experience during one of my summers at university um, with HSBC's life company at that point. Um, spent the summer there, absolutely loved it. And yeah, the rest, as they say, was, was history from that point. It wasn't boring. It wasn't boring at all. No, I turned out that it turned out that I actually really quite like a spreadsheet, um, and yes, and the problem solving and all of that. So yes, I'd come out of university with a physics degree, but um, it's the problem solving and the picking it apart and the understanding the systems and all of that was was really fascinating for me. So I yeah, I found that I loved it. Yeah, fair enough. So um, as, as this is more of a, I want the focus to be a bit more on coaching. So I'm not going to do the usual and, and go through every one of your 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 roles in actuarial. But could you just give us a feel for what your career path looked like as an actuary, some of the roles you had, what you specialised in, just just give us a flavour of what you were doing. Yeah, so I came out of university, went back back to HSBC for a couple of years, and I, I started out as many of us do with a valuations role, which um, I'll be honest, I didn't like. Right, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved the first valuation, but then I'd done one and I didn't want to do it again. So yeah. I ended up with my career as I, I I moved on to other companies. I, I moved much more across the commercial side, did a lot of pricing and then product development work because for me that. It was always fresh. It was always something different, something interesting. It was a different challenge to it. And for me, it was really important having that sense of really feeling that I had visibility of how I impacted on the end customer. Because 
I know there's there'll be people out there who love those those techie back end roles where they get into the real nitty gritty of the details and the valuation stuff. For me, that didn't feel real world enough for for to keep me satisfied, keep me feeling fulfilled. I wanted to see if I do this, a customer has that happen to them. This is what the outcome is, yeah, and being able yeah. to have that real clarity on on the impact I was having at that end was important to me. So I spent yeah spent a lot of time in pricing and product development, and then product review later on. Um, so yes, I moved very out of the technical into the the, the softer customer focused end of things, um, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, fair enough. And, and and obviously, this is in in life insurance. Did you specifically seek out to work in life insurance, or that just happened fairly randomly, having got your your first experience there? Yeah, it was the first experience, and I think as many people do, I just landed landed in a field and stayed there. Um, I yeah, when I when I was applying graduate jobs, I applied for a whole range of things, and that was the one that I one that I ended up with, and so that was where I stayed. It wasn't wasn't a deliberate choice. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just fortuitous. <laughs> and how, how did you find the, the process of qualifying um, the exams? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I was one of those people who sailed through the early exams, like the, the more mathematical ones. Those I found really easy. I just, I went through them in like three or four sittings, no problems whatsoever. Hit what was CA1, I can't remember what that's called now, um, the first like proper wordy one and promptly failed <laughs> because <laughs> it was like, oh, I have to think about this completely differently. And it was finding that, oh, okay, there's a whole different process to learn here, a whole different way of thinking about things. It's not just about knowing how to do a sum. It's not just about you know a, a simple process. It's understanding the whole picture. And it was a, it was actually, I think it, it's such an important transition phase in your in your career, I think, is that understanding of how do I step back and look at the bigger picture and understand and draw on all these different threads of what I know and bring it together in in an answer. Um, so while it was a big challenge at that stage, it was a really important piece of learning for me. And so, yeah, I, there were a few more bumps in the later exams. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I, I got there in the end. <laughs> yeah. And, and what was your sort of career path in terms of um, where you were people manager? Is that how what, what you started to do as you got more senior or did you... Did you go in a different direction? Yes, I did do some people management. And it was part of the role that I I loved, really loved, which probably part of the reason why I then went headed in the direction of coaching. For me, that was something that I was really passionate about was supporting the next generation of, of actuaries coming through and helping them to understand those points of learning and seeing them develop and being able to really give them that that kickstart into their careers. Um, and I think... Yeah, there's there's so many important lessons in people management, even if it's not necessarily something that you want to do in the longer term. Having experience that is, I think, really vital in terms of understanding and getting to know how other people tick. Recognize that the way you do things doesn't necessarily work for the people who work for you. And getting to understand and support other people through their challenges can be can be really powerful for your own development as well. So at what stage did you start the transition from being an actuary to being a coach? Because on, on LinkedIn, I think there's a little bit of an overlap. Was this something you were doing mm. maybe on the side or, or through work? Yeah, so that it started for me. So I was coached myself before I became a coach. So around about 2016, 2017, so not long after we'd moved down here to Bournemouth, where we live now, I came pretty close to burning out. At that stage, my two boys, um, who are now a bit older, were sort of Four, four and two. So my eldest had just started school. Mm. Um, I was working full time, doing the drop one off at nursery, run to work, run back to nursery at the end of work, go home, make the dinner, do everything, blah, 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 all of that. And it felt like I'd spread myself thinner and thinner and thinner until you could practically see through me. I was spread so thin with everything. And I got to the point of actually not really knowing who I was in amongst it all. 
I, I was everything to everyone else and nothing for me in the middle of it. And being coached myself in that situation was such a powerful shift in terms of recognizing that it was all about how I was showing up in that situation. And that when I changed what I did, everyone else responded differently to me. Yeah. I could set those boundaries. I could rebuild you know, my, my own sense of self, find what mattered to me in amongst it all and really start to make that change. And I'll be honest, I, I trained as a coach out of curiosity more than anything else. I think it's one of those things I think is a little bit endemic to actuaries is that we, we like to learn new things. Um, and so I, I did the coaching training almost out of curiosity as to what that would feel like and then completely fell in love with that process. It took all the the problem solving threads of what I did as an actuary, the the bits of what I did as a people manager and brought them together in something that just felt so joyful and fulfilling for me that I was like, I need to do this. <laughs> I need to be doing this instead. But, you know, we all know an actuarial career comes with quite a nice salary as well. So transitioning into self-employment isn't always easy to let go of that salary. Yeah. So it took a couple of yeah. years. It took a couple of years of working how, how to do it, doing the kind of side hustle approach where I was slotting coaching calls in in the evenings and at weekends and around the day job. And it got to a point when I just had to take the leap and go, you know what, I just need to put some faith in myself and in what I can do and say, it's time. This, this is what I want to do now. If I don't, if I don't go for it, I'm going to sit here being frustrated and not quite going for it forever. Yeah. So it's coming up for two years ago now that, that I left my last actuarial role um, and went into business full time. And it's, it's taken time. There's been bumps. Anyone who's moved into self-employment will know that it, it's not always easy the first year or so. Um, but it feels like things have now settled into a bit more of a rhythm. And yeah, I'm absolutely loving it. I get such, such joy, such fulfillment out of working with my clients and seeing not just the change for them, but the knock on impact then on the people in their lives, their, you know, their organizations, their families and, and what else is happening for them. It's, it's such a wonderful space to work in with them. You said earlier, you know, you, you loved seeing people in your team when you were in actually develop and now you love seeing the impact. It's, you know, clearly that's a, a motivator, but why is that, do you think? I think for me, it's about, it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's about making a difference. It's about making a difference in the world and feeling like what I do is having a real impact on real people. And my clients often come to me in that real transitional phase. And, and, and really what's at the heart of what they're saying to me often is that I know there's something more I want to do. There's this sense of what next, even the ones who come to me in the same position I was really burnt out and feeling like they can't do anything more. There's still this seed of, but I want to, I want to be doing more. And there's this real sense of, of wanting to grow into something else. And I think being, you know, almost the, the gardener for their, their seeds of their dreams is it, it, yeah, it just, it, it makes my heart sing, I suppose is a, is a beautiful way to put it. Um, and it is, it's seeing that and recognizing that every time somebody makes a difference in their world, it will impact on their partner, their kids, their colleagues, their customers, their, you know, the, the people wider in their organization. It's that ripple effect of seeing what can change in the world. Because my perspective in how I coach people isn't the traditional kind of just keep going and just keep making things happen. It, it's about how do we do things really differently so that everyone can live and work in a way that works for them. And when they start to do that, they become role models to the people around them who go, well, actually, maybe I could do that too. You know, simple things like being able to set boundaries, saying no, not taking on every single project that comes your way. Yeah. Um, I know you spoke to Kylie about that a, a couple of months ago, that, that being able to just go, you know what, actually, I'm going to take 
I'm going to say no to this piece because it's too much for me. When when one person does that, the, the rest of the team can go, well, hang on, maybe I don't need to work every hour of every day. And everyone actually becomes more effective because of it. Because we think that we need to work the hours to get everything done. But actually, sometimes when we create the boundaries, we create the space. What actually happens is within that time when we are working, we get more done. Yeah, working less, we do more. Because we don't feel exhausted all the time. We don't feel weighed down by everything. And when one person starts to do that, the people around them recognize that it's possible too. And the whole place starts to shift. And recognizing that I can have that impact is yeah so powerful so satisfying for me how much of what you do comes from the courses you've been on the training the qualifications and how much comes from your own experiences if that makes sense Mm. hi guys we'll get straight back to the conversation in a second just a quick reminder that when i'm not recording podcasts i specialize in helping pensions actuaries with their career moves and i'd love to help you when the time comes to explore your options I work with people at all levels, whether you have a couple of years experience through to senior positions. My approach is different to most recruiters. I started my own business last year and work alone, which means I have zero pressure to hit targets and can just focus on giving the best possible help and advice. So whether you're thinking of making a move now or would just like to understand your options for the future, please get in touch via LinkedIn or email james at turnerperkins.com. Back to the show. That's a really good question. Um, it's a real, it's a real mix. I think there's, you know, because I've learned coaching skills. I've learned how to ask a good question, how to create a space where people feel safe. That a lot of that I've learned. A lot of that is instinctively or intuitively what I do. Because I think even when I was early days of people management, my team would always say to me that they felt really safe to share whatever they needed to share with me about what was going on. There's a level of that's almost that's just been how I tend to do things. Um, but yeah, it, it's that real balance between understanding there are ways to do things and sometimes just trusting that I know the answer. You know, the, I think I think a lot of coaches would say there's that, there's a question that I could ask here or there's the one that just kind of pops into my head and goes, oh, hang on a minute. I'm going to follow my nose here, see where this takes me. Because often it's it's reading all the signs of what's going on and getting that awareness of it. So there's a, there's a lot that I've learned in courses and then there's a lot of, yeah, lived experience and the experience of coaching and understanding how different people work. Um, I feel like I get to know my clients on, on quite a deep level and start to recognise the little tells, I suppose, those moments when they go quiet and I'm like, hmm, what's that then? Hmm. <laughs> and I get, oh no, you've caught me again, Jen. <laughs> yeah. Because we, you know, we, we, we do the little bits of trying to, pretend that we're not thinking the way that we know we are thinking um and it's that recognizing what's going on for people so yeah that was a very long answer to it's 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 definitely a bit of both it's definitely a bit of both there's some learned skills and some just just what i've picked up along the way Do, do do you find that people are people seeking out coaching are people generally curious aware come to you or are you having to raise the profile of it sort of sell sell the benefits I, I just I'm conscious that Kylie kind of you know she I think the expression she used she wanted to normalize it it's normal thing to do but people don't talk about it enough so I just wonder from your perspective yeah is there a bit of a slight I, yeah I get, I get what you mean there's that I think there's there can be a perspective some people think that I think there's still sometimes a perspective that coaches are for senior leadership once you get to a certain level then you get a coach and my take on that is that coaching should be widespread across all organizations because it is so powerful. And actually the most powerful point I think for it is 
actually at that slightly lower level than often when we do get coaching from our organizations. You know, for, for me, I was still in a kind of a mid-management type position when I started getting coaching because I'd, I'd hit that point of going, I don't know how to do the next bit. And if we want to increase, you know, a, a large part of what I do is around women's leadership development in particular and supporting women in those next steps. I think if we want to increase the diversity of who's getting into leadership, we need more coaching at a lower level to support people to get past those sticky points. Because there's so many people who find that that, that next step up, you know, in terms of you know, gender diversity, we talk about the broken rung, how few women get into that first management position compared to compared to men and what, what happens when that diversity shifts at that stage. And coaching at that point, supporting them to see what can be different and how can we do things differently and make it work for us, increases the diversity of what we get as we go further up. And it's a really powerful thing. And yeah, I get a mix of people who come to me for coaching or who I seek out. You know, obviously I'm, I'm running a business, so I'm always looking to raise the profile of it. Um, but you know, it it is a mix. And some people don't necessarily understand what coaching is compared to things like mentoring. Um, Cause I do sometimes get people going, can you just tell me what job I should get next? And I'm like, that's not what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can support you to make that decision. I can challenge you and ask you questions about what matters to you. What is it that you want from the role? Who is it you want to be? Where do you want to get to? What's the big vision for your life and help you choose the role in that way. But I'm not going to sit here and go, that's the best one for you. Cause that's yeah. not what I do as a coach. You know, a mentor is someone who's kind of trodden the path already and can give you that specific advice based on their experience. A coach supports you to make the best decision for you. And I always explain it to, to clients um, when they first come to me that I don't have a vested interest in the specific outcome for my clients. I, especially because I'm external to their organization usually, I'm not bought into them getting a particular role or them taking a particular route, whether they stay in their job or pick a different job or, or whatever. I want what's right for them. I want to support them to get to the place that feels like it's the most powerful space for them to be in as they move forwards, which they really appreciate because they can explore whatever needs exploring. And it gives them that room to go, you know what, maybe I do just want to quit this job. <laughs> or maybe I do just want to do something completely different. And we can explore what's, well, what's led you to this point? Why are you here at this point in time asking yourself that question? What's the things that are getting in the way? If you did just quit this job and go to another one, are the same problems going to appear? Because actually it's not the role, it's something else that's going on. And having that really holistic view of things, of what's contributing here and moving them forwards. And that's what the coaching space creates for you, is that space to be able to really dig deep and explore what's going on for you so that you can do something else. And that's valuable wherever you're at in your career. And yeah, for me, it's it, it, it's about finding those spaces where people are ready to ask those questions, ask those questions of themselves and what they want next. Now, are there any signs that people should look out for? Because I guess if they're not seeking out coaching, then largely your career is left in the hands of your employer, pretty much. This is the tra trajectory, this is where I can go next. And it might not cross your mind that an external coach can can help with that. But are there, are there certain signs that people should keep an eye out to make them think, oh, do you know what, I should be getting some additional support here? I think the simplest way to describe it is a sense of discomfort, that something doesn't feel quite right. That's usually what, what my clients come to me is. is something, you know, sometimes they, they, they love their job, but it's just, I don't 
yeah, there's something doesn't feel exactly how I want it to feel, or I don't quite know what it is I need to do next. How do I make this happen? How do I make it all fall into place? Mm. Um, and really it's that almost that, that those, those questions that you keep, if you keep coming back to the same questions, well, should I be in this role? Should I be doing something different? What do I actually want to do next? How do I make this work? If you keep coming back to the same questions that those are the sorts of things that a coach can really support you with is that picking it apart, taking, seeing what's going on there. Where is it you really want to be going? What's stopping you from getting there and how you move forward with it. So yeah, it is almost that sense of discomfort. And I often say to the people who come to me when we have those first, first discussions and they go, well, I'll have a think about it for a while. I'm like, well, if you're feeling uncomfortable, something needs to change because the discomfort doesn't go away unless you choose to change something about it. And many of us, you know, I know I, I did it, sit there putting up with feeling like something's not right for months, if not years, sometimes going, this is, I'm really frustrated with this, but it's just what I have to do. It isn't. You don't have to put up with feeling uncomfortable, feeling frustrated, feeling unfulfilled. Reach out to a coach and and get that type of support because it can change really quickly when you start to actually ask those questions and dig in on it. It can have, it's, it's the thing I love about coaching is how dramatic an impact it can have so quickly for people. Can you give us a, a feel for some of the other things that might make somebody feel uncomfortable? Because I think when you talk about burnout and work-life balance, that's relatable. I think people would be very conscious of those things. But if there's just some other things that are not that, but that are not quite right and people do sit on, what 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 might they be? It's often things like I'm in a role that's okay and I can do it. And we've got, you know, often we get comfortable in a role that we're we're good at, but it's maybe not feeling as exciting and fulfilling as it was when you started and and there's this sense of there's something different I want to be doing but I don't know what it is because mm-hmm. um, I think many of us have this sense of purpose within us that we don't always manage to fully tap into we get into a role and it feels comfy and it feels easy and we can get it done and it feels nice and it supports everything that we want from the rest of life and we just go well I'll just sit here and be comfy but sometimes that ends up feeling uncomfy because it's like well I'm doing the same thing again today aren't I you get that Sunday evening feeling of, oh, now I've got to go do that again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than being able to go, yes, I get to get up and go and do a role that I love tomorrow. So I think that's that's often the other part is the, this just doesn't feel completely fulfilling. Or the question of, I want to take the next step up, but I look at that and go, I, I don't see how that's possible. Which many people see is they, they look at the people who've gone before them and go, but they work ridiculous hours. A lot of senior management work really long hours. They work really hard. And I really want to, I've got the ambition to do that, but I don't want to do it like that. So how can I make this work? And there's this sense of ambition, but also holding back from that ambition because we're worried about what the impact will be. And so it can be, again, that coaching space to explore, well, how do you take that step without doing it that way and doing it in a different way so that it works for you? Yeah. Okay. So so what does the process look like if somebody gets in touch? How do you figure out where they are and and what you can what you can work on them with um so yeah with, with every anyone who comes to me we'll always do a short sort of introductory call to make make sure that it it does work because you know what's really really important in coaching relationship is rapport and how you get on with each other because yeah, if you if you and i as a coach don't gel it's not going to work for you 
And there's been times when I've had people come to me for coaching and I've gone, actually, you know what? I don't want to work with this person because I don't think it will work for them. And I'll make that decision that, you know, I don't, I don't just take someone on because I want another client. (laughs) I want it to be a relationship that works both ways. It has to work both ways because otherwise they won't get what they need from it either. So it's making sure that when you speak to someone as a potential coach, that you feel really comfortable. You need to be able to feel safe and able to be open and completely honest about what's going on with you because otherwise the process won't work. With my clients, then, we all, I always do a very similar first session with everybody, which is really an understanding of what's going on now, what's feeling uncomfortable in life, what's feeling easy, what specifically do they want to change? Not just that general sense of, I want to feel more fulfilled. Okay, what exactly would get you there? What's causing that? What are the things un- underneath it? And we do this whole whole piece where we just dig in on what's feeling challenging what does that remind you of in life where have you seen situations where this has arisen before and I can use that space to sit there going okay I keep hearing the word time say or I keep hearing things that refer to boundaries or um fear confidence whatever's going on for them and I'll you know I'll I'll have my my notes in that session with little like certain words scribbled down the side these are the things we need to look out for and then for me it's always about tailoring how we coach to that person at the end of that first session we always set what i would call intentions for a coaching program together i don't set goals with people because when we set goals we're setting something really hard and i have to get there and it becomes really push i've got to make things happen you know um i love that the the etymology of the word intention is about a stretching out of effort and it's a how do we get you to a place where you want to be stretching out that effort over time rather than having to be a hard push let's make things happen and it's about how do you want, how do you want life to feel at the end of our coaching program? How do you want life to look? What do you want to be doing? What do you want to be exploring? Rather than I will be in this role doing this, earning this, you know, that sort of thing, because it, it's a very different perspective on it. And then we tailor the coaching to whatever gets you there and how we move towards that. And it's, it's about exploring those those blocks and also the what's taking you forward. I, I often use the analogy of it's about a hot air balloon. It's about fueling the balloon. That's your vision and your drive and your momentum going forwards and also cutting off the ballast bags. All of the beliefs and the worries and all of those pieces that hold you back, let's, let's get rid of some of those. Let go of those, let the hot air balloon start flying more. And so it's, yeah, like I say, it's, it's very tailored to the individual. Um, I don't do the sort of coaching programs where it's in this week we will cover X, Y, Z, because that doesn't work for everybody. It's, a, it's always got to be around what do you need to get you there. And other than rapport, is there anything else that makes somebody a good client or, or not? Into, I'm thinking, for example, presumably there's a certain amount of not necessarily homework, but they've actually got to take what you're saying and change some mm. some behaviors otherwise they won't get anything out is it yeah. is it that or is it yeah that's that's the other thing i always say to clients is you you get out of a coaching relationship what you put into it if we talk about something you know i don't say homework <laughs> <laughs> we often talk about um experiments or play even what are you going to play with over the next couple of weeks before our next session um you know for me the idea of it being playful and exploratory is really important because if it's all really serious it feels really it can feel really tough and really boring it's about it feeling playful and light and how do i build this next step um but yeah it it's about having that commitment that i'm gonna go and do those things so as a client you you've got to have that determination that actually i do want things to change and you know, sometimes the best coaching conversations are in the, the sessions where we talk about how did you get on with the actions from our last session? Oh, I didn't do them. It's like, okay, what got in the way? That'll always be my first question if somebody comes back and says they haven't done their actions. Okay, what got in the way? What stopped you? 
Yeah. How do those actions make you feel when you started thinking about doing them? Exploring that, because often that is then the key blocker that's getting in the way of everything. And when we can pick that piece apart and go, okay, this is what stopped you there. Where else in life is that stopping you? Suddenly it can open up a whole world of possibility. I'm not saying that people should come to a coaching session and just not do their actions. <laughs> that's not how it works. But it, yeah, there's that sense of that the determination to change and that real openness to explore what's going on for them. Yeah. Because it's recognizing that whatever's going in you, on in your life eventually will come back to having a root in you. It's very easy to try and say, but it's other people, it's the job, it's the organization I'm in, it's the culture, it's this, it's that. That's what the problem is. There's always something you can do to have an impact on what's happening for you, the choices that you're making and how you're showing up. So I think it's that self-awareness piece that you don't necessarily need to have great self-awareness when you start the coaching relationship, but it's that being open to exploring that, getting more self-aware, and then that determination to actually make the change and take the actions that, that are going to move you forwards as you go. Yeah. When, when you speak to, let's say you've got a new prospective client and you spend half an hour with them, do you, do you see any common maybe misconceptions around what it is they think they're going into? Or is everyone pretty clear on what they want out of it and what you can do for them? Um, I think, yeah, some, sometimes I get people who think that it's going to be mentoring rather than coaching and want me just to tell them what to do, which isn't mm-hmm. isn't isn't what I do. Um, and sometimes I will come across people who are looking almost for that quick fix approach, the 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 sticking plaster almost. They just tell me this and I'll if I do that, it'll be fine. And you know, I think sometimes training programs, coaching programs will will almost give you that look, here's some tools to use and then that'll make things a bit easier. And they will. For me, there's always another layer. There's always something else underneath. And when you can start to get a bit deeper and dig underneath what's going on, um, it, it makes a real difference. You know, um, to give an example, um, uh, I had a great conversation with a client the other week around emotions Mm -hmm. and they were talking about feeling emotional when they get into any sort of slightly confrontational system, um, slightly confrontational interaction that a lot of emotion would come up for them. And they were like, I just need to know how to control it. I'm like, Okay. And we had a bit of a chat around it. We dug into that a bit and we recognized that it wasn't about controlling those emotions. It was about how are you dealing with your emotions regularly? So the, the, the ongoing sense of emotional resilience, emotional hygiene even, because many of us, what we do with our emotions is go, let's shove that in a cupboard, pretend it's not happening. The trouble being that the cupboard gets full and eventually it busts open and everything falls out. We have a, you know, we have a moment where we get really angry when we disproportionately so. And actually for that client understanding that, oh, actually, if I start, processing some of what's gone on for me in the past, dealing with the emotions that I've been shoving in the cupboard rather than actually managing them. Actually, those confrontational moments don't have to be confrontational even. They can just be a conversation. And there might be a bit of feelings about it, but nothing quite so big. And we could easily have had a conversation about how to control the emotions in that moment and how to, to shut it down. But actually, when we went deeper, it had such a transformational impact for them in terms of the way they were showing up all of the time across the board. You know, they were carrying around almost these great big black bags full of emotions around with them that kept oof, making everything feel heavier than it was. But actually, when they could deal with some of that, everything felt lighter and easier. And it's that for me is the really important part is getting into that level of depth rather than just going for the sticking plaster on the top. Let's, let's keep things going. So is it, is it quite long term? Does the length of time you work with somebody vary depending on the individual situation? Or is it is it generally quite long term to get the most benefit? Yeah, so I... 
I usually work with clients over six months. That's usually okay. my, my starting point for one-to-one coaching because you can do short blast things and it will make an impact for me. There's, there's, there's a lovely rhythm to that of having the time to explore the blockers and the things that are getting in the way to craft the vision and the next steps and what it is they want to do and getting them into action and moving forwards. And yes, sometimes, you know, I, I, you know, I offer one hour coaching sessions as, as a startup starter thing for people if they want to, and we can make an impact on one thing, but often you know, it's, it's not one thing. <laughs> if you're asking those big questions of what do I, what do I do next? Where is it I want to go? How is it I want life to be? That's not one thing. There'll be lots of threads within that and pieces to explore, which is why I think that that slightly longer period coaching is really powerful in terms of doing that. And, you know, I, I always work with clients fortnightly because for me, there's this sense of keeping up some momentum and getting that regular accountability. You know, I, I know a lot of coaches might work on a monthly basis and that's often what, what can be offered sort of internally within companies is a monthly coaching session. But for me, it's, it's really easy if you have a monthly coaching session to go, well, I'll look at those actions in a couple of weeks because I've got plenty yeah. of time and then it doesn't happen. The two weeks, you know, the two weekly approach for me really builds that sense of momentum for people. And I think, yeah, working over six months just gives them, gives you that space for real growth and exploration, embedding the changes you want to make understanding what's going on that ongoing support through that that piece to make sure that yeah it, it, everything that we're talking about and everything that we're creating for you becomes just your new way of living rather than it being something that you've learned and you know we know how habits can can you know tail off when we're trying to build new things in that period of time just gives you the space to really embed it and become that new version of you yeah and and then how do you measure success again i'm guessing that's quite individual for different people again but mm, there's yes. certain things that that you do measure yeah so i like to do i always send my clients a, a pre-coaching questionnaire and then they answer a lot of the same questions at the end and i'll ask you know the actuary in me comes out i like a few stats along the way <laughs> and i will ask things like you know um how many days of a week do you feel like you lack energy you know if you or if you on an average day how would you rate your energy levels out of 10 and, you know, I always see that, you know, the energy levels always go up. How, how fulfilled do you feel in your work, you know, on a scale of one to 10, that sort of thing. But for most people, it, it is much more um, the intangibles in a lot of ways. It's the how do you feel? How do you feel about how life is at the moment? The other question I love to ask is at the beginning is three words for how life feels at the beginning of the coaching program, three words for how life feels at the end. And at the beginning, I get a lot of busy, overwhelmed, unfulfilled, exhausted, that sort of thing. And at the end, it's always different, but it'll be excited, you know, optimistic, hopeful, looking forward, inspired, you know, all, all sorts of different things. And there is always a really noticeable shift in terms of how people are showing up at the end of the program compared to the beginning. And are they doing a different job and that's why they feel differently? Or are there a lot of situations where the job hasn't changed that much, but the way they're interacting with it has and their outlook has changed? The majority of my clients are in the same job at the end of the coaching program that they were at the beginning. And they feel completely differently about it. You know, I've had clients who've gone from feeling completely unfulfilled and wondering why they were doing it at the beginning of six months to being nominated for awards for that role <laughs> at the end of six months <laughs> um, because they've just gone, oh, no, this is why I loved it. And when I can pick apart the threads and set the boundaries and create the space around it and everything else, yeah, I do love this job. This is why I was doing it. And they get back into that state of excitement about it and, and moving forwards when they can clear all the detritus out the way that, that started getting in the way. And yes, and sometimes I have people who go, you know what, no, 
this is time for me to make a change. And I support them to work out what that change is and where they want to go. And they step into a whole new role, sometimes a whole new career. I have had that one as well, into something completely different going, yeah, this is this is what I want to do now. With that sense of purpose and that it's coming from a positive, this is where I want to go rather than I want to get away from what doesn't feel good. Yeah, for, for me, that's the that's the really important shift my, for my clients is that they're moving into that space of this is where I'm going and this is what I'm doing yeah. rather than, oh, that feels hard. I just want to get away from it. It's that difference in the motivation that's moving them. That's what's, yeah, really powerful. That's really interesting. So most are still in the same job because I, I, I don't know if coming into this, I was fully aware of the reasons why someone might use a coach if, I, if I'm really, because mm-hmm. you, you think about, if I think about sort of being have a really bad work life balance or being over overrun and things like that, I don't automatically link it with career progression and things like that. Or if if someone's a bit, you know, they've they've lost the love for their job and they don't know what to do, I I, I didn't know that that was a, a thing actually. So what 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 are the different reasons? I know we've sort of touched on this at a different angle, but if someone you know hasn't really thought much about coaching, could you just tell them? the different things that you could do do for them in different situations if that that's okay yeah so yeah like we've touched on that if if work life balance is feeling really tough if you feel like you're heading in the direction of burnout that sort of thing coaching is a great space for understanding what's been driving that what needs to change what needs to shift where are the boundaries you need to set how do you want to change how you show up to work how do you need to challenge on things getting that focus on what's important and moving forward in that sense um, if you're feeling unfulfilled in your role, if you're having that bit of, is this the right job for me? Do I need to be doing something different? Again, coaching is a great space to explore that. Getting clear on what's leading to that feeling of um, it being unfulfilling. Because often we go, well, it's just this job, I'll move on to something else. But actually, if the challenges are being created because of how we're doing the job rather than the job itself, we just take all that with us. And we find the same thing in a new place. And I've yeah. certainly spoken to many people who've done that. Or within that as well, that you know, if it's feeling unfulfilling, what what else is possible? Yeah, it's it's that's a wonderful question to to ask of people. What else is possible here? What else could be the right thing for you? What do you what really matters to you? What do you care about in the world? What do you want to be doing? You know, I've yeah. I've spoken to clients who've been working in life insurance or in pensions who feel really passionate about the environment and want to get into climate climate risk and and that side of things of the actual work and trying to understand how they can make that shift. There can be that next steps up. Um, how do I take the next step up? You know, I'm I'm looking for that step into management or that step into leadership. I want to develop skills in that area. I don't quite know what it is I need to do. Who do I need to be to become that person? Uh, exploring that. And I think, yeah, I think I work with a lot of fairly newly qualified actuaries who've done the, um, what I call the blinkers approach. We go into the actuarial career, the blinkers go on, must get qualified, head goes down, get through the study. We come at the other end and go, oh, <laughs> this is what I'm doing now, is it? Okay. Yeah. What else? <laughs> and we kind of, yeah, we, we end up just following the rotations or whatever happens in our company and we end up in a role and we just go, oh, is this, is this right? We've been so focused on that qualification process that we come at the end and go, is, is this actually what I want? And yeah, it, like I say, it, it often, in all of those circumstances, boils down to that question of what now or what next? How do I make this work? So yeah, it's, there's there's a real range of different reasons why people might want coaching. Yeah, it's really interesting because listening to you say some of that, I'm thinking, well, actually, yeah, there are certain situations where people 
come to a you know crossroads and they just call someone like me change their job mm-hmm. but if there are issues as you say that they could just be bringing with them and mm-hmm. actually maybe they should call you first work through <laughs> what they really want and then if they want a job as well mm-hmm. sure do that but there's 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 lots of different ways of looking at it it sounds sounds like something everybody should be taking really seriously and um mm-hmm. um what advice would you give when it comes to if somebody does decide that coaching is something they want to explore how should they choose the right coach for them and you're very welcome to 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 talk about why they should why they should give <laughs> you a call <laughs> I think, yeah, like like I said before, r- rapport with the coach is really important. So, you know, much as I might be shooting myself in the foot slightly, speak to more, don't just come to me, speak to a number of coaches and get that feel for who is the right person for you. You know, I would hope it would be me. You know, I, having been an actuary, I get a lot of the challenges that actuaries have. Um, do I need to know all of that to be the perfect coach for you? Not necessarily. You know, I work with actuaries from a whole range of fields. Sometimes they'll be talking about technical stuff that I have no idea about as a coach, but I don't need to know all the detail. I need to understand how they're thinking and what they're looking at and what's going on for them. Yeah. But getting to know a few people and seeing, yeah, what what is it that that it feels like to have a conversation with them? It needs to feel easy. Yeah. That's and that's what most of my clients who come to me say is what they they found when they spoke to me was that it felt really easy just to be able to talk about this is what's going on for me. Able to feel a little bit vulnerable because the coaching space is that there is a need to be a little bit vulnerable. This is what's going on for me. This is what's feeling hard. This is what it's making me feel emotionally. This is what it's making me feel in terms of how things are working and being able to be feel safe in that space. So when you're looking for a coach, you need to have somebody that you feel like you can open up to and that you feel like is going to support you to be able to make that change. And that is going to make you feel challenged. You know, I often describe my version of the coaching space as being very loving and safe. And I'm also not going to take any nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) If you come to me saying, well, I didn't do my actions. I haven't done this. I'm going to challenge you on that. I'm going to hold you to account of the things you said you would do, because that's important. You need to know that you're going to get that sense of great, but we're here to make a change. What are you going to do about it? And I'm always going to do that in a kind way, because that's the sort of person I am. Um, But there's also going to be that firm, this is what we're here to do. So what are you going to do about it? Because that's often what we need is somebody to to just be a little bit firm with us as well um, in, a, in a way that moves us forwards. And I think as well with the coaching, there's um, there's that sense of what it is you're looking for. If you're looking very specifically at um, career steps or something like that, sometimes somebody who's a much more specialist career coach might be what you need. My perspective is that um, I take a very holistic view with my coaching because I find that it's rare that a challenge in work is solely about work. There'll Mm -hmm. always be threads about what's going on outside of work as well and how those pieces are balancing out. And so I think for, for me, it's that understanding what is it that you really want and where does it relate to? Do you need that wider perspective? If, if it's a really simple question, it might be that one session with a career coach is all you need to answer that next question for you. But actually, if it's a more, oh, I'm not quite sure, I feel uncomfortable, I need this wider perspective, then come to somebody like me who will challenge you to look at all of it. Let's look at it in the round. How's work going? How's life going? What are the pieces that matter? How do we pull the threads together? What is it that that we weave together into your next steps? Are most of your clients actuaries or just that's where your network is? So, so some of them happen to be? 
At the moment, yeah, at the moment, probably more than 50% of my clients are actuaries, but I've I've got lawyers, I've got doctors, I've got a variety of professions, I've got business owners. I coach people in, in a range of areas, but yes, I still do tend to have the majority of actuaries because that's, yeah, like you said, that's where my network is. And I really enjoy working with actuaries as well, actually, because um, we have, yeah, I think, you know, one doesn't like to stereotype, but to end up as an actuary, there's going to be a level of similarity to the way that we think about things because we're going to have been people who've come through and done those types of degrees, those types of studies. And so, you know, I do find common threads in what happens. And yeah, and it's familiar to me because I've dealt with much of the same stuff and worked through many of the same things that, that the people who come to me will have done. And it can be that understanding that, you know, having been a high achiever, which you almost always have been to, to become an actuary in the first place, comes with stuff for want of a better word mm. you know we much as people might think they're amazing they know everything they're really clever but often there's an awful lot of self-doubt that goes with that because i've always been the high achiever i need to keep being the high achiever and what if i get it wrong this time what are people going to think i think there's a a real prevalence of that version of imposter syndrome amongst act um, actuaries often um but yeah it's I, I i get a real variety of clients and i do love that but yes i do love love working with actuaries because i think it it intrigues me how much we, uh, as problem solvers in our work, also think about things when we get into that coaching environment. I think my clients often are, are really, yeah, I love watching them think their way around the, the problems that are going on for them and just helping guide them through those with those, the, you know, I, I question what's going on and get them to think even further and seeing that analytical process and that thought process get turned around on how they can shift themselves is is really wonderful to watch. Yeah. What's your favourite part of the process? Is it helping understand? Is it the beginning, middle, end? All of, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's the moments when the light bulb goes. And usually with all my clients, there'll be, there'll be some stage through the programme where there'll just be a point where they just go, oh, now I get it. Now I see what's going on. And it'll be that recognition that, I don't know, that that actually all the problems that they've been looking at, if they change one thing, suddenly everything falls into place. You know, I quite often ask, ask about what would make everything else easier or unnecessary. You know, what is the, what's the one thing that if it shifted would just change everything? Yeah. Or it's the, it's the moment when they suddenly go, I've got the idea, I know where I'm going now. The moment when the, the vision for their future lands and they go, right, I've got it. Or they just choose to let go of the worries. Because sometimes it is as simple as just going, you know what, I've been telling myself, I need to change up, I need to do this, I need to do that. And just going, you know what, I can be happy here and now. And it's those little moments when that light bulb comes on and they just kind of, you, you can always physically see it on screen. They just kind of go, oh, that feels better. Those are the moments that I really, really love. I see yeah. those, those shifts. Do, do you, uh, you mentioned you had coaching when you were in actuary. Do you still have a coach mm -hmm. now? Because all this attention you're putting on other people, you gotta, mm. gotta think of yourself as well. Yes, yes, I, yeah, I do. I, I, um, I don't do it as, as often as I used to, but I do have coaches. You know, I have, I have a lot of friends who are coaches of the nature of the, <laughs> nature of the work. Yeah. Um, and I know who the people are that, yeah, when I, I need a bit of support that I can reach out to. And I think it's, I think it's important. It's one of those things that, you know, especially as a coach to have that ongoing support myself, because my perspective is I can only challenge people if I'm challenging myself at the same time, because if I let myself, you know, um, I keep saying boundaries today, don't I? If I let myself have weak boundaries, then it's going to be hard for me to support a client to make theirs firm because I'm going to have be thinking about it and, oh, well, if I can't, I can't do that. How can they do that? 
So for me, it's important to keep challenging myself, keep growing myself. So I'm always looking for the next level of my own development, my own growth as well. Because the more of that I do, the more I can support my clients even further. So yes, yeah. it's it's really important to me to keep keep growing in that way. And how's how's it feel two years in to being your own your own boss? It <laughs> feels like you're loving it. Yeah, the the work that I get to do is just so satisfying and so fulfilling to see the impact that I get to have. Yes, um, wouldn't change it for the world. Absolutely love what I do. Fantastic. So anybody listening to this is going to want to know how they can get in touch with you so mm-hmm. please could you let them know what what's what are the best ways yeah so if you're not connected to me on linkedin do find me on there i'm sure this will get shared on linkedin won't it when, yeah. when it goes out so um if you've seen this on there then do connect me with with me on linkedin pop me a message or the website soulfirecoaching.co.uk if you go on there you can book a free exploration call which is a half hour call just to dive in on whatever's going on for you at the moment it's just a space to talk through what's happening to get to know each other see if that rapport is there and see how I could support you going forwards so yeah I always offer a first first chat like that for free so that people have that opportunity to get to know them or keep an eye out on LinkedIn I do lives and things on there talking through different different topics so um yeah come and join me for one of those and see what you think well thank you so much it was genuinely like you know I know a bit about coaching but you got me thinking about it in different ways and I'm sitting here thinking not not just if I was an actually but you know any anyone there's so much value in having someone external confidential that you can just talk about things through and you might not even know what the all of the issues are what what's causing them and I use the word issues there it's not even something that oh I've got this issue I need to look at coaching it's not it's different to that it's sort of something that can proactively help you and um I don't think I fully appreciated that it's just have a chat with Jen is what I would say (laughs) (laughs) and see where it goes but no thank you so much for for your time it's been an absolute pleasure oh you're very welcome it's been a real joy to be here thanks for listening to this episode of actuarial people please don't forget to subscribe and consider leaving a review If you have any questions or feedback or any suggestions for future guests, please contact me on info at actuarialpeople.com. This podcast is sponsored by my recruitment company, Turner Perkins, and you can contact me there at james.turner at turnerperkins.com. Hope to see you again.